Hi, everybody. So nice to be here again. We just love coming to Zimbabwe. Literally, this is the third time I've only ever been in Zimbabwe, but ever, every time we land, I just think, oh, it's so nice to be here. Um, there's just such an, a, 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 there's amazing people, Zimbabweans, amazing people. So um, I, for those of you who don't know us, um, we've been married for 25 years, and we have three children, 21, 18, and 15, and city um, and one's in boarding school, um, uh, doing year 10, and then my girl is still with me. She decided to do an extra year of school, so she's doing year 13, and she finishes in June, um, and then she's also going to Pretoria. They're all abandoning me. And I don't know why. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they'll all three be together in Pretoria. And, um, yeah, that's just the way the Lord will have it for now. And um, the Lord spoke to me clearly out of Jeremiah 31. And he said, your children will return to their own land. And even as I say that now, there's many returning to this land. There are many that are returning to this land. You watch and see over the coming months and years. There are many returning. Um, and, uh, yeah, as, I, as we landed um, and we got off the plane and I started to walk, I just felt such open heavens over, over Bulawayo. I just felt um, such a freedom. I felt space. I felt like there's such wide open spaces. I didn't feel contained or restricted, but I just felt so free. And I feel like God is bringing this place into a new freedom and a new space. And I felt like, um, and it's some, a scripture that I've, I've felt for a while that I haven't been able to get away from. Um, I read it, I was doing research on this whole um, theme of hope, and I found the scripture, and I haven't been able to get away from one scripture for months and months and months now. And so I really believe that it's a word that um, is going out over all the nations at the moment, um, that it's a season that we're coming into, and that is 1 Peter 3 verse 15. It says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Um, and so I really believe that God is taking us into a season as Christians of evangelism, of gathering people again, that we need to be prepared in season and out of season to share the hope that we profess the hope that we are living with. We need to be ready, 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 ready. And I feel like in the, in the next couple of months, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a harvest again of people giving their lives to the Lord. And, not, and, and I, I do feel like for the first time, they will give their lives to the Lord. But I also feel like there's a return. There's a return of many that have walked away from God that are going to return. And so I just felt like um, I wanted to encourage us all sitting here today um, and thank you for coming on your Saturday afternoon. I know this is the time for that, resume the position, you know, on the couch. Um, so, and now you have to listen to me. Um, but I just felt like in order for us to share the hope that we profess and be ready to share it, we need to have hope. <laughs> and we need, we need to be able to share. And what are we going to share? And what are we going to think about? And so I wanted to just, uh, I felt like the Lord said to me three things. Um, get rid of blockages in your life between you and God. Some of the blockages that we might be living with. Because there's stuff that happens. There's disappointment. And there's un maybe prayers that have not been answered. Or maybe there's healing that hasn't come that you've been trusting God for. Or maybe there's been years and years of being a Christian and just never hearing the voice of God clearly for yourself. And I felt like some of those things can cause sometimes a blockage in our lives between us and him. And you know, it's so easy to get rid of that blockage 
It's just a little conversation that we need to have with Jesus. And we need to actually sit down and tell him and speak to him. Not for his sake, because he already knows, but it's for our sake. And then things change in our lives. And so that's one of the things I just feel like we need to, in order to be ready to share the hope, in order to be living in the hope that we profess, is just get rid of some of those blockages maybe that might be there. And just speak to him. And as we share our heart, he comes down and he does amazing things. For four months, I didn't speak to God because I was angry with him because he was taking my children away from me. And he took us to the desert and then he took my children away. And so I was very angry. I cried a bit, but I was more angry than anything else. And a friend, I was sitting talking to a friend one day I have to be honest, huh? we all, we all real here, you know? I've been a Christian for a long time, but honestly, okay, if I need to step away so that the lightning doesn't hit you and it just hits me, but I was really angry with God because it was God who sent us to the Middle East and now it was my God who was taking my children away, you know? And so it really caused the blockage between me and him. And I was sitting chatting to a friend and she, said, she looked at me and she just said, don't you think you should speak to God about this? Yes, it's just that easy. Just have a little conversation. And so I just put my pride in my pocket and I went home and I said, Lord Jesus, I need to talk to you <laughs> about this stuff. I'm really angry with you. And, um, and I didn't hear anything from him. And he straight away took me to Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 and said, um, your children will return to their own land. And something happened in that moment, the anger that I was feeling and the pain that I had experienced from having to um, forget my, <laughs> leave my children and, and all of that, suddenly it just went because I had a word from the Lord. It was like, oh, it's his plan and I can release them and it's going to be okay. And just in that moment of just that silly one line scripture, I felt all of that stuff go. And um, it took me four months to get to that stage. Some of us are walking around with blockages with God for years. And, um, and it just takes a little moment to hear his voice and to just wait on him and, and see what the plan is. And then it changes everything. And so there's still things that I need to deal with. And there's still um, stuff that I will have to come up against, I'm sure. But I know that this is the plan. I know that God has brought my children back to their own land and for a reason. And then the second thing I felt is that we need to be filled. So once we get rid of the blockages, then we can be filled. And then out of the overflow, we can share our hope. We as Christians can't share hope if we're walking around like, you know, half dead and exhausted and and all of that. People don't actually want to ask us, so, how are you, you know? It's just, I'm not saying we need to say we are, everything is, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. No, there, there are times when, you know, we're not. <laughs> and where there's real pain and where there's real things that happen to our lives. Um, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we need to spend time with Jesus so that we can be filled, so that we can overflow. Because if we're not overflowing, we're not going to be um, putting out what we need to be doing. Um, it's not all about us. Somehow, I think over the COVID time and over this period, it's become about survival and just about getting by. But actually, I felt, I felt like the Father say, even um, with you guys, that just be, be filled with him. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to fill you. And then the third thing that I felt some highlight to me this afternoon was live in peace. The peace that passes understand makers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And you will, uh, yeah. And, and so I feel like when we are living in peace, you know, when we become Jesus, born again, when we become Jesus followers, when we, when we become in Christ, there is a peace that comes on us that we need to walk in and that we need to continually walk in. And that peace is the honey that draws people. 
because the world is in turmoil at the moment. They are so anxious. And uh, if we as Christians are anxious and, and, and we're caught up in the turmoil of the world, um, we can't share the hope that we profess. But if we're living in a place of peace and we're sowing peace into every situation, we will see a harvest of righteousness. And I believe that harvest is going to be souls in the kingdom that are going to come marching through these doors again. And I also believe that you're going to have a season of baptisms after baptisms after baptisms. You need to prepare for people getting baptized and set free. Um, the other thing that I just want to share, the last thing that I want to share is, so those, those three things are about the hope that we profess. I think one of the things that we can do right now is take five people that you know of that are not following Christ, that are in your life right now, that are in Bulawayo right now, that might be your neighbor, it might be, and just write down, jot down their names just quickly, five people that you know aren't born again. Just jot down their names quickly, five. And then of those five people, are you jotting them down? Have you got them? Can you think of them? Five people. Because once you've jotted their names down, often you bump into them more often. Something starts to happen because that's how the Lord works. And then three people, out of those five people, three people that you know that you can start sharing with, um, intentionally sharing with. So every opportunity you get, you start sharing with those three people. Um, just circle the three people that you think you could intentionally share things. And it looks like this. It doesn't look like you're going to go and sit them down and give them the gospel. I'm not saying that. I, I recently, uh, about 18 months ago, um, a friend of mine phoned and said, listen, uh, she's a Pilates instructor and she's got a huge class and one of the ladies anymore, she can't do anything. Can we please help her? So Kevin and I did a session coaching with, with her and, um, and we really, her and I really connected and she's a Syrian Muslim lady. And I can, it's so nice to just be open and be able to speak. Our phones aren't here and nobody can hear me saying any of this because we can't talk openly about this where we live, yeah? Because proselyting is illegal. So, um, uh, and we just connected her and I. There was just something that happened. And um, so I started meeting with her just with, for coffee in a coffee shop. And I didn't speak to her about Jesus at all. But I started speaking, we just started chatting about her, mainly about her. She just talked about everything she was all, yeah, and there'd been all kinds of, she has a lot of pain about what's going on in Syria at the moment, and, and she can't even go back. She's from Damascus. She can't even go back there. And um, so I've met with her a couple of times, and I'm, I, every time I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, just give me a... Just give me a little bit so that I can share something with her that can open the way. Because she knows I'm a Christian. She knows that my husband works in the church. And so every, every, and this last time that we met, she said to me, you know, Nicole, something's happened with me and my mother. I've let go of something. That's forgiveness. You have begun to forgive your mother. And I got to speak to her about forgiveness. And for anyone who's got a Muslim friend, this is a key for you, is to teach Muslims about forgiveness because they haven't got a clue about it. Just remember this. Every time you come in contact with the Muslim people, I feel like God's given me a key um, to be able to share about forgiveness. And there's something that's lifted off of her life because that she started to walk in forgiveness. And I could just spend a little bit of time just saying, you know, this is what forgiveness means giving up your right to make somebody else pay for what they've done. That's what forgiveness means. And she sat like this with big eyes, and I know I've got a little keep taking in that gap. And that's what I mean by sharing the gospel. And sometimes it'll go quickly, and sometimes people will say, I want what you've got. I don't know what you've got, but I want that. We've had that before. And it'll just happen, and they'll give their lives to Jesus, or you'll bring them to church, and they will. But sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. But that's what I mean by sharing the gospel, okay? With three people, 
just speaking intentionally. And I think you'll see it, uh, uh, there's a season of it going faster. It used to be in back in 10 years ago, it felt like forever before you saw anyone getting saved. I feel like there's a, a, a speeding up of that. And then just one. Out of those three people, one that you're going to trust God to see them three. Who's that person? Just circle that just one that you're going to trust God. And what that looks like is that every time they come to your mind, you say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for their salvation. Thank you, Lord. 2023 is the year that they're going to bow their knee. And that's how we, see, we start to gather people into the kingdom. That's how we start to see people's lives change, is when we intentionally do some of these things. And maybe it seems a little bit simplistic, but I believe that um, these will be keys that God God's helps us with so that we can be ready to share the hope that we profess. Because when that person turns around and says, I want to give my life to Jesus, it's like, oh, I've been waiting for you. Okay. Is that um, what I've noticed since I've been here this trip is fruit. Everywhere I go, I just see fruit, 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 fruit. And not just little, like big fruit. They're all too big and they're all bigger than they should be. And they're all sweet and beautiful. And every home that I've, well, I've been in two homes while I've been here, but even going to Adelaide's house and just walking into her garden and those fruit trees, they're all bearing fruit. And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's a season of bearing fruit that you will see. This is a rich land. And I mean the soil. I mean the land is rich. It is rich. And there is such a harvest that comes out of your land. And I believe that as you put seed into it and you start to plow it, you're going to see such harvest come out of this land because there is incredible fruit that the people are bearing and um, it's just meant to be. It's like the Father is just, there's a, just such a, um, a thing on the, on the fruit. And you know, um, some, a friend of mine last week, she said to me um, that I'm that one of the girls that I'm mentoring. She's actually older than me. I shouldn't call her a girl. <laughs> and she said to me, um, am I bearing fruit? And I thought, wow, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever asked anyone if I'm bearing fruit. If you're bearing fruit, but it doesn't, I'm not the judge of your fruit. Jesus is. We should be asking him, are we bearing fruit? But I did say to her, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we see some of those things in our lives, we know that we are bearing fruit. Yeah? Does that make sense? Um, and, uh, yeah, I just really believe um, that in our sharing our hope, there's Matthew, Matthew 7 says this, 15. It says, you will know them by their fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. And friends, as you sink your roots down into with them, get rid of the blockages but, um, and be able to share your, your uh, hope, you are going to bear such fruit. There's going to be such an abundance of fruit. Amen. just think we've been in such a season around the world and God's people haven't been, uh, haven't been exempt from it. It's just, uh, I've described it often like being punched in the solar plexus. And so I just want to demonstrate, I want Vessi just to come stand here. I'm going to punch him in the solar plexus. But it really is that feeling. I don't know if you've ever been punched here and you lose your breath and you, and it feels like just any minute your heart's going to stop because you just can't get air, you know. And, uh, and it's, it's like the circumstances of life have done that uh, to us as God's people even. We've, you know, we, don't, we live in the world and we, we're not often meant to be governed by these things, but we're human like everyone else, you know. And so this message that Nicole's bringing now, this thing of, of hope and being ready to, to actually speak about the hope that we profess, the hope that we hold on to, um, I believe that God wants to do something even this afternoon, just uh, of giving hope to people again. 
And hope is not that, that, you know, when we talk about our hope, I hope it works out, I hope I have a good year, I hope I get a good job, I hope I and walk away from God. I, you know, that's, that's not what that, the Bible's speaking about there when it speaks about biblical hope. Biblical hope is something that's anchored in the unshakable and unchanging nature of who God is. And, uh, and as, we, as we are anchored in Him, as we are anchored in who He is, and what he's doing, there, there comes something of a confidence in us that even though we live in an environment where there's incredible turmoil and there's things that are very difficult to understand, and we ourselves face incredible pain and disappointment. I mean, there might be people even here this afternoon who just have been through the most difficult things, the most trying of things, incredible loss. I, I just, um, as you just listen to some of the story of people who've lost jobs and have um, People that, that were investing financially into things and, and markets have crashed. And there's just been in the world just this incredible reality. Nicole was saying to me, we were driving on the way to the airport and she was, I was looking at a building, a shopping mall in Pretoria that has been abandoned. And how a bunch of pastors had actually been, um, been invited to invest their whole life savings into this thing. And how that now has has crashed, you know, it's that whole investment has come unstuck and, and, and they've lost all of their life savings. Now, those things are, are incredibly difficult and, and God wants to come and he wants to fill us with a hope again. So, babe, well done. I think some of those things that you shared there. So experience pain in our lives. Anger is often one of the, the consequences. I remember God saying to me years ago, he said to me, you're a very angry young man. You're an angry husband. You're an angry father. And you're an angry leader. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and then he just graciously explained to me how anger works. And anger works like this, that we have an expectation. And then we experience a reality. And to the degree that the difference between the, ex the, the expectation and the reality, that, that drop to the, it's like being in a lift. And it suddenly starts to have a free fall and then it, it hits that that feeling, that jarring feeling, is uh, is 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 what we experience as pain. And so I felt God say to me, the problem with you is that your expectations are ungodly, your expectations are uncommunicated, and your expectations are. There was another un, ungodly, unfair, and un uncommunicated. Uh, and so I was getting angry with Nicole about a whole lot of things she didn't even know I was angry about. But my expectations were possibly ungodly, they were unfair, and they were uncommunicated. And so sometimes we just got to talk to God. You know, we're living with this, this low-grade anger. I've never met so many men who, who right now are struggling with anger. But it's manifesting in a different way. It's not this, they're not beating their wives, or, or, or it's not this aggressive thing. It's this, it's this low-grade thing of a seething anger that exists because of disappointment. And many of them are angry, like Nicole was saying. They're angry with God. And, uh, and so I, I just want to encourage you that, that what Nicole was sharing about now, the, the things she didn't share that she was meant to share, that I asked her to share, she felt God say that the church around the world is coming into a season where there's going to be a restoration of the office of the evangelist. And so whenever God uses a fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks about five different gifts that Jesus gives to the church for the equipping of the saints to do the work. It talks about the apostle, it talks about the prophet, it talks about the evangelist. Some people put pastor and teacher together, but pastor and teacher. And there is, at certain specific times in the dealings of God with His church and preparing the church for what's coming, what God will do is He'll just, he'll just empower certain people in his body to equip the saints for the works of service. And I, I agree with Nicole. I believe that there is a season coming where, the, where the, the evangelist is going to emerge again. And the evangelist does two things. One, whenever an evangelist is operating in the gift that God has given them, one, people get saved. But more importantly, for the people, what happens is a heart for the lost grips them. And so suddenly we, we become people, we are people who are concerned about those who are are dying and going to hell. 
we, there is an urgency that starts to grip the hearts of people regarding those who are not children of the living God and who are outside of, of God's loving kindness and of His mercy and of His grace. And, uh, and suddenly you start to be aware of people around you. And so that's what evangelists bring. But one of the other things that evangelists bring is they bring uh, a demonstration of the good news of the gospel through signs and wonders and working of miracles and supernatural things that start to happen. And so whenever you see true evangelists operating, often what's happening is, is uh, and, and I just want to say that that thing has been so messed up in the body of Christ. What a, what a, I'm not, but you know, an evangelist has to have Seemingly white shoes and a white belt and got to be wearing a very, very fancy suit and he's, he's got to come, you know, on a whole entourage. And there's a whole lot of very carnal and silly things that we've done when we call somebody an evangelist. And, and actually, he can look a bit like me. He can, he can look quite ordinary. But so it's got nothing to do with his outward appearance and how he preaches and strutting around the stage and having a massive big crusade. The fruit of a true evangelist will be that people will get saved, but also that people in the meeting will have a confidence and a hunger to begin to themselves be people who do the work of evangelists. And, uh, and so I want to just a while on, uh, and let me do this, because my short while and your short while could be very different. That sounds dodgy, huh? Sounds powerful, eh? You've got to have a watch with a bevel, Brie, if you want to be an evangelist. Eh? This is, uh, this is my, my ship's captain friend who taught me this. So I want to just take 15 minutes just to speak a little bit about what it would be for King's Church to be a church with beautiful feet. To be a church with beautiful feet. And that's why I'm not wearing shoes today. I want you just to look at your feet. Those of you who've got shoes on, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off, yeah. Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. And if you want your socks as well. Bessie, they're not going to follow if you don't lead, buddy. No, I'm being serious. Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off if you don't mind. You should, you should, have, you should have heard what the Spirit of God was saying and come in sandals. Those who came with sandals, you guys are on the button. The rest of you, I'm not so sure. And I want you to look at your feet. You know, I often look at my feet, and I, and I think, you know, my big toe looks like a thumb, eh? It looks like a funny thing, eh? And some of us love our feet, and some of us think our feet are incredibly ugly. We wish, those of us with flat feet, we wish our feet were more arched. Those with arched feet, we think, ah, it would be wonderful to have. And, uh, and, you know, we don't like the size of our toes. I got, I got family. It's a weird thing. My mother-in-law... She can pick up a golf ball between her big toe and her next, like she can, it's like this massive gap between her, between her toes. My eldest son has got exactly the same thing. He can do things with those, those toes. Eh? If he, you know, I mean, I think he could eat with his toes. He's just, so our feet are, are, are maybe for us in the natural are things that we don't consider to be, to be beautiful. But you know, these feet God gave us because he wants us to be in places that we wouldn't ordinarily go. And I believe that prophetically, one of the things that's going to start to happen with the people of God is that God is going to touch our feet. That when we go into places, we're going to literally at times, sounds a bit strange now, even as I stand here. We're going to find our feet burning because we know we're in the right place at the right time. Because there's something that God wants to do in somebody's life that doesn't know him and needs to know him. And I want to read this scripture. We can read the scripture together in Romans chapter 10 verse 5. It says, through to verse 15, Romans 10, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commands shall live by them. So there's a type of righteousness that was in the law. You had to obey the law for you to be righteous. But send into heaven, or who will descend into the abyss? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's a new way 
for us to be acceptable before God. The new way for us to be acceptable before God has got to do with our mouth and with our heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that word believe means to trust in. If you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Friends, there are people that, that will believe in, in many things. They'll put their trust in many things. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, talks about two types of men or two types of women. There's a, a beautiful parable in Jeremiah chapter 17. There's a parable about the man who is like a tree planted by streams of living water. That man is, is a man who doesn't trust in his own right arm, but he trusts in God. But then it speaks about the man who trusts in his own right arm. He will be like a, a tumbleweed. And uh, if you've never lived in the movies where you're watching those cowboy movies, and you see that piece of weed that's just tumbling through, and it's got seeds in it, and it actually has a season where it seems to be planted, but the reality of that plant's life is that it's very, very, its, it's destination is completely dependent on where the wind blows. It's kind of been blown everywhere. There's, it's not a picture of stability. It's a picture of being blown here and blown there and blown everywhere. And Jeremiah chapter 17 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in God, he'll be like this. But cursed is the man who trusts in his own arm, he'll be like this. And so friends, this, this amazing scripture here is speaking to us about what salvation really looks like. For with the heart, one believes. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I believe that God in this time is, is causing his people to stand strong and his as they've trusted in him, actually the reality is their lives won't be mocked by shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the, the, the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just a simple fact right there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I think it's taken from Joel chapter 2. It says, how then, and here's very important for us, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? If, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says there's something that needs to come before people will call on the name of the Lord. And he says this, he says, Paul writes, he says, how will they call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or speaking? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Friends, I believe that God wants to raise up uh, a whole church full of people who understand something of what Nicole was saying. That you've been placed in a, in a situation and in a, in a context because there are people there that God cares about. And you are God's gift to those people in that moment of time and in that place because of what he wants to do in their lives. They've never heard of the reality of who God is, the reality of the gospel, that their sins can be forgiven, that their shame and guilt can be washed away. All they need to do is they need to confess Jesus as Lord, and they've got to believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. It's the only quali qualification for them to step into the scandalous reality that everything of their past will be washed away. All of their debts will be canceled. They'll move from being an enemy of God to becoming a friend of God. Not just a friend of God, but becoming children of the living God. They'll move from being one to the property of God's kingdom, but they have a seat at his table where he knows them by name, and they, with Jesus, have an inheritance forever as sons and daughters of God. 2 Timothy verse 4 to 5 says this, As for you, Paul's writing a few things right at the end of his second letter to this young man called Timothy. And I want to I own something of what he's saying to this young man. As for you, Kevin, and you can put your name in there, always be sober-minded. Hey, we are, we are getting drunk on all kinds of things today, my friends. We get drunk not just on alcohol, 
but we're getting drunk on all kinds of things. Unforgiveness, greed, lust, ability to think clearly. Paul writes here, says, be sober-minded. Number one, endure suffering. Friends, suffering is a reality for us. And I, and I want to say to you, Zimbabweans, you, you have had to learn how to suffer well. And you've had to learn endurance. I often say to my South African friends, especially to my Zulu friends, if Zulus had to endure one-tenth of what the people of Zimbabwe had endured, there would, would have been chaos in that country. You know what I mean? And I want to say that, that, that your ability to endure under trial, your ability to endure through suffering, your ability to trust God, your ability to keep your eyes on Him, even though the circumstances are so incredibly difficult. Friends, I want to say to you, you guys are an example to many. You know, many times I, I start to feel a little bit grumpy there in my AC in, in Qatar, my tough my air conditioning, that, 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 thing, that beautiful thing that we think we can't live without. And I often say to people in Zim, you know, hey, you know we have 50-degree heat there. I've been in parts of Zim where it's 45 degrees. It regularly gets to 45, 46, 47 degrees. Yeah, I think there are even places here where it gets to 50. But there's not, uh, so AC, what is that? What is this thing? You know, and we think we're suffering for Jesus there in the Middle East, you know. Friends, I want to tell you that we've got to learn. We've got to learn from you. We've got to come sit at your feet and say, hey, what does it mean to be constant, to endure through this incredible thing called suffering? And then it says an incredible thing. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy wasn't an evangelist, but he says do the work of an evangelist. Do the work that an evangelist would do. And he says, fulfill your ministry. I think for many of us, we just need to redefine what this thing of being a preacher and an evangelist is. Because many of us, when we read the scripture, we say, ah, it's the job of the evangelist. You know, they must go and get the people saved. You know, I'm gonna, I'll do the other stuff. But actually, this, this thing of sharing the gospel with people, that's something that the pastor must do. Or if the pastor can't do it, he must employ an evangelist. And then I'll bring the people to church. And then they will preach, particularly this work of evangelism is something that is on people. It's on, on a few uh, qualified people that, that do this. And I want to say to you, there's an adventure for us to have. God wants you to look at your feet, and He wants to make these feet beautiful. He wants these feet to find themselves in places that you never dreamed possible. And when you're standing in the school, or whether you're standing in the marketplace, or whether you're standing in your work, or whether you're standing on the verge of your, of your property, and your neighbor is standing there, there are people that God has put you with that he wants you to, to influence. You see, to preach means to be a herald or, or proclaimer, one who carries a message. I want to ask you, what is the message that you carry in your heart regarding the reality of who God is? See, God is not a th theory. He's an experience. And so what you've come to know about who he is, when you start to share the reality of that, that is something so authentic. It is something so powerful. It's something that no intellectual man can argue against. There's something that pierces right into the heart of a man or a woman when you speak about the authentic reality of who God has been, the knowledge of God that you carry, the experience of God, the history that you've had of walking with God. When you start to speak about that, not in a religious way, but just in a very, very normal down-to-earth way, you're just honest about the journey that you've had with God. When you start to speak about that, you become a preacher. And you don't need to be standing on a street corner dressed in a suit shouting at people and getting dragged away. Just a quiet conversation. Nicole is being a preacher as she spends time with a Syrian lady because she has a message that is true that she brings across every single time. And sometimes it's not even with words. There's this message of God's incredible hope that this lady even experiences from her, sees in her eyes. It's a, it's a reality. Being an evangelist is to, is to be a, a declarer of the good news, a bringer of good tidings, someone who's come with good news. I mean, friends, we really do have the best news that anyone could ever have. And one of the things that I had to stop doing during, during, uh, during the time that I was of uh, COVID, my wife banned me from, from reading the news on, the, on my phone, written to shape our minds in a certain way. But in the midst of all that bad news, all the bad stuff that happens, there is this good news that can keep coming into the hearts and the minds of people through our lives. 
through these lips of mine. God wants to bring them. And as I understand the good news, you know, we have a friend who's, uh, who was on eldership with us. His name is Dave Albanese. He's an American. He's now gone back to America. He preached a message once. He said, the worst thing can never, ever happen to Dave Albanese. The worst thing can never, ever happen. And he said, the worst thing would be this, that I would live separated from God for eternity. He says, that thing can never happen. Many things can happen. I can lose my job. I can lose, go through incredibly difficult things. But the worst thing, I never need to fear ever in my life, the worst thing ever happening to me. And friends, for those of us who've come to know Christ, that deep assurance that we are saved, that we are children of the living God, that we have been washed clean, that we've been cleansed, that we have been made righteous, friends, that, that's it's some of the most incredibly good news we could ever, ever but we don't think that way. So we walk around like we've been sucking in on lemons and we're sad and we're upset and life is so tough and we talk about the circumstances. But friends, we need to allow the gospel, the good news of the gospel, to come into our hearts again. We are forever children of the living God. It's the most beautiful thing. And so just a couple of things quickly. Um, there's a guy by the name of Bill Hubbles. He's, he's uh, like many people at some stage, God was using him so incredibly, and I know that he's, been a, he's kind of been through his own journey, and I never want to judge anyone who's made mistakes. He's made some mistakes, but he spoke about something in, in one of his books as he took the whole church that he was leading at that time, uh, just through an understanding of what it, what, what it was to be Christians who had impact in the world that they lived in. And he had a bit of a formula. He just had these, these, this formula that went something like this. High potency, HP, plus CP, close proximity, plus CC, impact. HP, plus CP, plus CC equals MI. And friends, I, I want to say to you that for, for us in our lives, one of the things that God wants to do is He wants us to understand that we are salt and that we are light. Jesus didn't say this in Matthew chapter 5. He didn't say, try and be the salt and the light of the world, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He said, you are. And so from the minute you and I become born again, there is something very potent about who we are. But he says this about salt. He says, when that salt loses its saltiness, when it loses its effectiveness and it gets diluted, uh, it's going to become good for nothing else but to be trampled underfoot. And so I've recognized, I feel like I'm being trampled. It's because I've lost sight of, of that thing of God actually called me to be pure. There's a purity that God requires, not a diluting of who I am. There's a simplicity and a radicalness to who God's called me to be. And, uh, and so I, I just always found that to be something so helpful just as I started to think about HP, which is high potency. You're the salt and the light of the world, salt of the earth, the light of the world plus CP, being close to people. You know, it's not a mistake that God's put you in the neighborhood that you live in. It's not a mistake that you're living in Zimbabwe right now. So be very careful when you start to make your own plans about leaving here, about going wherever you want to go, because you might be people that God has on His mind that He wants you to be close to. The people that you work with, the neighbors, close proximity. I think it's a very dangerous thing when, when Christians remove themselves from the world completely and they just hang out with Christians. Because what's the point of a whole bunch of salt just being together and a whole bunch of light? Being, you've got to be in the dark and you've got to be in, in the stew of the mess of, of Bulawayo. You've got to get into some of that. But the challenge is you can't compromise. You can't become like them. You, you've got to, there's got to be something about you that is still salt and is still light. And so sometimes the guys say, hey, turn off the light. We want a ganga here. We want to do some naughty things here. No, no, I can't. I'm going to be the light. I'm not judging you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not giving you a hard time. But actually, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to be the light that God called me to be. And then learning how to speak clearly about the gospel. It's such an important thing. So just quickly, three things. Get a theology of place. Sorry, be what others were to you, firstly, number one. Be what others were to you. You know, I think what God wants to take us all back to is an understanding of what we were and how separated we were from the life of God and how much we were objects of God's wrath 
and how much we were in debt and how much we were enemies of God and how much we, if we died in that state, we would have gone straight to hell. And, and we forget that there was somebody, maybe a few people in our lives that God used close to us and to speak clearly to us at some stage. And, and we get selfish, you know. So Christianity stops being about caring about the people that, that we were once like. And we forget that it took somebody to, to reach out to us. It took somebody to be praying for us. It took somebody to be pursuing us. And so I want to say to you, be to others what, what others were to you. Let something of the, the, the heart of Jesus grip you in the way that the heart of Jesus gripped others and you're sitting here today because somebody, very few of you here today, how many of you came to know Christ because you had a personal experience? with? might be some, but they're very few. There is an, a person or there are some people that walked on a journey with you that were willing to, to, to target you. You were one of the five. I, I, wanna, I don't want to correct Nicole, but that 531 actually works like this. Find five people that are in your world right now. Just think, you can, there'll be more, but think about five people that you're crossing their path a few times a week. So it's the person in your school that you sit next to. It's the neighbor that you always wave to. It's the person that you work with. It's that irritating person sometimes, the person that you most dislike, that God keeps bringing across your path. Take five people and start to pray for them. And pray a few things for them. Pray for them that there'd be controlled crisis in their life and that God wouldn't kill them. But if necessary, take them close. Bring controlled crisis into their lives. Undermine their confidence, Lord. Bring them to a place, Lord God, where they, they realize that they truly need you. Pray for them. Pray that God will convict them. Pray that God will give them no sleep. Pray that God will hound them. Pray that you, will not, that you won't be the only one who's praying for them, that there will be many people that would pray for them. Pray that there'll come a moment in their lives where they'll see the reality of their, of their, their, their brokenness and their guilt and their shame and come to the place where they turn to the living God and put their trust in Him. Pray for them. And then three people, start to invite them into your world and step into their world. Go and knock on their door. Take them food. Invite them to come to your, go and get involved in, if it's a sporting club, go and get involved with, go and do whatever you can to get into their world and invite them into your world. And then out of that, don't worry about targeting one person. Just trust for one. Trust, hey, Lord, I don't know who it's going to be, but one of those five are going to come to know you this year. And that one person, you then walk a road with them. You disciple them. You teach them what Jesus has taught you. You open the Bible. You take them on a journey. You answer their questions. If you can't answer their questions, take their, the, question, the tough questions they're asking you and take them to others who are further than you ahead of the journey. How many of you got currently someone that you're discipling and walking with? That's beautiful. Every one of us should have a Paul in our lives. Every one of us should have a Timothy in our lives. And every one of us should have a Barnabas. A Paul who's someone who's gone ahead. A Barnabas, someone who's in the same level as us. They, we're journeying together. They, they encourage us. But somebody that we're investing our lives in, they're younger than us. Maybe not in age, but in faith. It's a Beautiful, beautiful picture. Secondly, get a theology of place. Recognize that God puts people in a specific place at a specific time. In Acts chapter 17, that beautiful scripture, it says that God determined the exact times and places that we should live. And God determined the exact times and places that people who don't know Him out to Him. And there are people right now they don't know it, but they're reaching out to God. They're like people that are blind, walking around in a very dark room, and they're reaching out. And God wants to take your hand, and He wants to take their hand, and He wants you to draw them into this incredible reality of, I want to introduce you to somebody called Jesus Christ, who's going to make all the difference in your life. And so, so many of us are fighting God about the exact time and place that we should be living. And we're angry with God, and we're grumpy with God, but actually we need to recognize it's God who determined where Kevin and Nicole should live. And the price that comes with that is that we are not going to have our teenage children in our world and in our space. It was always a dream for us that our teenage children would be in and out of our home, joy of having that. 
both of my sons have, have not grown up. They will not, we will not have the experience of that. And so it's come with a price. But what we've had to settle is God determined the exact times and places because there are people that are reaching out to find him. And I am going to be, and Nicole's going to be, the people that are going to introduce him to Christ. Amen? Learn to love the time and the place that God has got you in. Because there are people here that need to know him. Who are the five? Who are the three? Who are the one? Thirdly, see the people in the places that God has placed you in. See them. Start to recognize and see the people. See what he really sees and hear what he really hears. And friends, I tell you tonight, if you are in this town and you could get onto a high hill and you look onto this town tonight, if, if there isn't load shedding, and you see the lights that are on, Many of those lights represent street lamps, but many of them represent homes and families. And if you listen very carefully, you'll hear the cry of people, the cry of desperation, people crying out for God and not knowing that they need Him. People in a place of absolute desperation. People in a place of absolute confusion. People in a place of absolute brokenness. People in a place of absolute dis And God sees it. And God hears it. And in your workplace, sometimes the people that are giving you the hardest times, people that are the most obstructive and obnoxious people are people that are broken in the very core. And if you just look through with the eyes of Jesus into the very reality of who they are, something will start to change of a compassion for those people. You'll find yourself complaining less and praying more for the people that are in those places. And then lastly, develop a one-minute people. They, I don't know how they did this, so I, I don't know if I heard it right, but he said something like this. He said that if every single Christian alive today was to lead somebody to the Lord, the whole world would be evangelized in 35 years. So if you took all of the Christians, and uh, those Christians were serious about leading one person to the Lord, in the next 35 years, the whole world would have been evangelized. And the Bible says that that's the, the only thing is stopping Jesus from coming back, is that there are people who don't yet know. They have not heard. And he, and he spoke about this thing about sharing the gospel. And, he, and I'll, share it, I'll, I'll just share with you exactly how he did it. We were sitting in a restaurant. He was telling me about this. I'm not really, many, we have many people coming through Qatar and they, Qatar is now the center of the world, especially after the World Cup. Now everyone wants to come there and wants to do something. And many of these people have got weird ideas and they, they want to use our people to achieve their mission. And many times we've just got to smile, smile and wave. We've just got to gently say to people, God bless you. We honor you for what God's called you to do, but that's not our thing. And I was sitting there listening to this guy and I felt like, hey, maybe this guy's one of those guys, you know. And I just started to listen, and he didn't have any agenda. He didn't want any money from us. He didn't, he didn't want to use our people. His whole heart was this, is we want to see people, the body of Christ, churches, people inside of churches equipped to be able to share the gospel and to disciple people. And I kept asking him, what's the catch? What's the catch? He says, no catch whatsoever. We won't demand one thing. You can take all of our materials. You can reproduce them. You can put your name on them. It's got, we, all we want to do is we want to see the churches equipped to be able to share the gospel. And he started to speak about how they train people over two days about how to bring the gospel and how to disciple people. But they, they teach people how to bring a test uh, to, to share the gospel in one minute. And while we're having this conversation, there's a Filipino lady who's serving us in the restaurant. And I can see that while we're having the conversation, he's just, he's just, he's actually this way, he's just noticing her was just engaging her, he found out her name, he was very grateful for the food that she brought, he was just, he was just being a really genuine, um, he was a wonderful example, to the point where we wanted to pay the bill, and uh, he just said this to her, this is the one minute presentation of the gospel, he said, her name is Lonnie, he said, Lonnie, do you mind if I ask you a question? And she said, sure. He said, uh, What's the most incredible thing that's ever happened to you? What's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to you? 
And she said, you know, before I tell you the most wonderful thing, I need to tell you something very horrible, very terrible, tragic happened in my life. Four years ago, my mother died of breast cancer. But the wonderful thing that happened is God opened a door for me to come to Doha, to Qatar, to work. And now, the money that I earn here, I'm able to support my own, whole family back in... And this guy said, gee, that's, that's incredible. And my, my mother died of breast cancer two years ago. He said, do you mind if I share with you the most incredible thing that ever happened to me? She said, sure. He said, before I, before I talk about the wonderful thing, I need to tell you that, that I was in real trouble. For such a long time in my life, I was depressed, I was confused, I was exhausted, I was trying to prove myself, I was addicted, I had a whole lot of addictions, and really I got to the place where I didn't want to live anymore. And one day I met somebody, and this person told me about Jesus. And he told me that Jesus wanted to come into my life, and he wanted to take all of my guilt and shame, that he had taken all of my guilt and shame when he died on the cross, and that if I put my trust in Jesus, I would have all of that guilt and shame removed from me. All of my debts would be canceled, and I would begin to walk, not just as a friend of God, but as a son of God. And I need to tell you that while I'm not perfect today, actually, I'm living in the place where my life has real meaning. I'm free of the addictions that once hold, held my life. I've come to a place where I live free of shame and guilt. And actually, I have this incredible ongoing relationship with God where I'm getting to know Him better, and He's getting to know me. End of one-minute presentation. This girl bursts into tears. She just burst right there in the restaurant, burst, burst into tears. He didn't try to get her saved. He didn't lead her in a prayer or anything. But he said, do you mind if we just pray together? He took off his hat, sitting in a Muslim country, in a restaurant, people all around, locals all around, and he just prayed. And he said in the week that he had been in Qatar, he had had five or six people that he had had that opportunity to share the gospel with. And one of the guys, he had actually become a Christian, and he was already beginning to disciple him. And that one-minute presentation needs to contain the following things. The re reality of who you were. Secondly, the way you came to know about and trust in Jesus. How that reality has changed your life. And then the journey that you're on right now. The reality of who you were who I was, how I came to know and trust Jesus, how that changed me, and the journey I'm on right now with God. Friends, I, I want to say to you that God wants to, God wants to raise up people here. But, but the, here's the key, guys, is honestly, it, you, need to, you need to let God remind you again of there was somebody who was intentional about this thing. I wish I had the, the recording, but there's a beautiful recording of a man, a little old man, who was in, in Sydney. And every day of his life, he would go out onto the street, one of the streets of Sydney. You must try to find the recording. Have you heard that recording? Yes, it's amazing. Eh? And he just, just, every single day, he would just share the gospel. He would just stand there and he would hand a track to somebody and just ask them a couple of questions. And those people would go... And how those people got saved and got saved and got saved and got saved. And eventually, all over the world, people were, were touched by, because those people then did the same. And, 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 and then this guy who found out about all of this went back to that old man, found him, and he was still doing it. And he said this to him. He said, do you know that all of this has happened? And he said this. He, didn't, he said, I, I didn't feel like it ever made a difference. I just did what I knew I had to do. And so sometimes, friends, even the seed that we're sowing in people's lives, we don't have any clue of what it means. But, but something of God's heart for the lost starts to grip us, and we start to just begin to open our mouths. I want to read that scripture again just as I close. It says this, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone telling them, and how are, they to, how are those people to tell unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want you to look at your feet as I pray.
Lord Jesus, you gave us these feet as a gift. Sometimes our feet get tied, and sometimes our feet get broken, and sometimes our feet get weary, and sometimes our feet get dusty, and sometimes our feet get infected feet was that these feet would take us to places to connect with people that would hear about the reality of who you are and they would put their trust in you and they would never be put to shame. And I pray that you'd make our feet beautiful. I pray that our feet would burn with the beauty that where we find ourselves, Lord God, Lord God, you've actually called us to be there. And so God, I pray upon King City Church that there would be something of a, a reality of the beauty of the people's feet in this place. That God, you brought them to this time and this place because Lord, there are people who matter to you, who you care about deeply and you are drawing in. Amen.